Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey friends, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to episode 204 of the MyFit Podcast. This week on the show, I chat with Jerry Duffy. Jerry is one of Ireland's foremost keynote speakers, focusing on optimizing performance both personally and professionally. Some of his global clients include companies like Google, Facebook, Medtronic, Coca-Cola, and many more. Prior to speaking, Jerry took on several endurance feats, including 32 marathons in 32 consecutive days as well as 10 Ironman triathlons in 10 consecutive days. Jerry has also published three books, including his bestseller titled TikTok 10, a compelling blood, sweat, and tears account of competing in one of the toughest sporting endurance challenges in the world. In today's conversation, you can expect to learn, first, what was the significance of 32 marathons in 32 days? Before we got into the meat of the conversation, I just had to ask why the number 32, what was the significance behind it? After that, we got into a pretty deep uh, understanding, insightful piece of wisdom of respect the goal and respect the timeline. I think there's a lot of value in that in that sentence alone for people that are embarking on a new journey to be able to respect the goal and respect the timeline. After that, we got into a pretty famous quote that says, Commitment is staying true to what you said you would do long after the mood you set it in has left. Jerry wanted to embark on some of these big endurance feats. And I wanted to ask, how did you stay committed after the mood kind of went away? I think it's easy for us to be committed and excited in days one, two, and three. But what happens when the mood goes away, people start to disappear, and you're kind of left on your own? How do you overcome that? After that, we talked about the importance of getting clear on your why. We talked about having power, the power in having perspective in life. Then we went through Jerry's four keys to success. We talked about doing simple things to an outstanding standard. And then we closed down by talking about Jerry's favorite Jim Rohn quote, which is work on yourself more than you do your work. If you guys found value in this episode, please be sure to leave a rating review and share it on your social media platform. Your five-star feedback helps the show grow tremendously and helps bring on more amazing guests like Jerry. Without further ado, enjoy this awesome episode with Jerry Duffy. Let's go. The MyFit Podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, and no BS. Healthy hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water plus electrolytes. And it makes sense. You lose both water and sodium when you sweat. So both need to be replaced to prevent things like muscle cramps, headaches, and energy dips. There are several flavors to choose from. My favorite is the citrus salt, which is how I start every single day. And as listeners of the MyFit podcast, you can now receive a free element sample pack with any order by using the link www.drinkelement.com forward slash MyFit. Again, that's www.drinkelement.com forward slash M-I-F-I-T. Go get yours now. Jerry Duffy, welcome to the MyFit podcast. Thank you very much. I am delighted to be here. I have to start. 32 marathons in 32 consecutive days. Take me back to that moment of your life. Why did you do it? What was going through your mind? What were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome? 
Oh, I got the idea in the summer of 2008, so a long, long time ago. And I got this idea to run the, the number 32. The significance of it is I live in the, in Ireland and, and, you know, it would be 32 marathons, one in each county on the island of Ireland. And that was the goal that, that myself and a colleague set ourselves. Um, I got the inspiration from, from, from reading a book by Dean Carnassus, a, a name I'm sure you're familiar with. And, um, I, I just said to myself, I'd love to do you know something very out there. Um, I was I was kind of big into fitness, had been for quite a number of years. Wasn't always, I might hasten to add, uh, kind of a bit of a wake-up call in my mid-20s. But at this stage, I was kind of I, I was big into triathlons, big into kind of you know running most days, and had done uh, some marathons, and I I kept setting the bar higher. I was doing iron distance triathlons. And the longer it was, or the harder it was, the more I seemed to just thrive on the challenge of it and the ambition of it and the training that it needed and the adversity that it gave and who I was becoming as a result of overcoming these things that I had to figure out along the way. I came up with the idea in the summer of 08. Um, but one thing, and I talk about this a lot in goal setting, the number one rule for me in goal setting is to respect the goal. And, you know, when I was in school many, many, many years ago, I didn't do well in school at all. And th there was two reasons, as I reflect now as a much older person. Part of it was a lack of maturity. I was quite slow to, to mature. But also, I didn't have enough respect. I didn't do the work. I didn't listen in class. I didn't take good notes. I didn't apply myself. I didn't study to a high level. Whereas when I figured it out years later about application, about commitment, and, and I, I was able to kind of get get results whenever I studied that I wouldn't have thought possible at 17. And so I learned to have respect to do the things I needed to do because commitment, you know, it's very easy to be committed to something, you know, on the 1st of January or when we start out with a team or whatever it is. But what about a week later or a month later? And what I've learned is commitment is doing what you said you would do long after the mood that you set it in has left you. And, but, you know, respect for this goal, 32 marathons, 32 days. I, I had a very quiet, honest discussion with myself. Jerry, you are not nearly fit enough for this. So I spent two years getting ready to be able to do it. I love the respect, the goal. And it was something that comes to my mind being a coach and a personal trainer, Jerry, is the idea of also respecting the timeline. And I love that you said it took you two years just to get yourself ready for the goal. Sometimes what happens, I think a mistake that people make is they have a goal in mind, but they don't respect how long is this really going to take? Hey, I want to be able to bench press 225 pounds. Right now, I only bench press 100 pounds and I want to do it next week. Let's be realistic and let's respect how long that this process is going to take. Yeah, I, I, I had a very, as I said, honest conversation with myself. I said, Jerry, given where you need to get to, you're at about five out of 10 in the fitness ladder. To be able to run a marathon every day for 32 days and, and you know, be, be comfortable doing it, you know, and to be able to kind of complete it. I said, that's a 10. And I said, OK, well, I, a year wouldn't be enough. I said, I'm going to take two years to get ready for this. And I'm going to set myself an interim target of getting to seven or eight. So I spent one year, DJ, getting up. I, I came up with this event. I said, okay, what would get me up to that level? And I, I, I just finished an Ironman triathlon. And I said, right, I need to do a double iron distance triathlon. So that was that's literally double the distances. So 4.8K swim, um, uh, 360K cycle, and back-to-back and, and -back marathons. And I spent a year training for that. And when I finished that, I got incredible confidence in my physical body, but I got even more confidence in my mind because it really challenged me. But I had a great experience. It took me 28 hours and 41 minutes, but I was, I was comfortable finish, crossing the finish line. Then I was equally respectful. I said, okay, now we're into 2009. The goal was to do it in 2010. I said, Jerry, what got you here will not get you there. So I set myself another very ambitious training program, and I spent another year serving more training apprenticeships to get me ready to the start line, which was in the summer, as I said, of 2010. Mm. What got you here won't get you there. Dive into that a little bit deeper. Yeah, so I, I just knew myself. I got up to this seven or seven or eight on, on the ladder, but I said, you know, I, I'm going to have to go beyond here in terms of training. 
and I'm going to have to just stretch myself a little bit more, get even more uncomfortable. Um, so I, I, I had a very simple logic to it, and, and that was to, to um, well, number one, get a great person around you in terms of somebody that had an ultra-distance runner that had, had a wonderful CV. Uh, I went to them for advice. So even that, that willingness to be open-minded, you know, and I, I, Carol Dweck in her book, Mindset, I'm sure you've come across that, speaks about fixed mindset and growth mindset. And it, when I was younger, I had a very fixed mindset. Now, as a more mature person, as a more ambitious person, I really have a growth mindset. And part of the evidence of that is everybody can be a teacher if our mind is open. And I knew I'd, I'd never done this before. How do you do a marathon every day for 32 consecutive days? So I read lots of books. And I went and I spoke to somebody who I greatly admired in the ultra running world. And I got advice off them and I got a training program off them. And then, DJ, you know, I respected the training program. I literally, in terms of, he said, here's what you need to do. And it was like a, a six, seven month training plan, specific training. Um, and the definition of respect was I went and I did it. And even when I was training with a friend of mine, there was two of us going to do it. And he got some injuries. And um, in the training, but he still he still hit the numbers because when he couldn't run, he walked. And that meant maybe spending three times as long on his feet in training. But he was every bit as respectful as I was to do what we needed to do to be successful. So you say that the true commitment is staying with it when the mood kind of disappears. I'm going to imagine that in 32 days, there's probably some excitement on day one, two, and three. There's probably some drops at some point. When was it? And what were some of the mindset kind of conversations you had with yourself to overcome that mood and stay committed to the process? Yeah. So, so Ken, my running partner and I, so we started, um, uh, in early July 2010. And the idea was to run one marathon every county, the island of Ireland, with a very set regime every day, 10 o'clock in the morning, start, and to try and run comfortably. So we, it wasn't about doing one, it was about doing 32 of them. And also we were trying to raise a lot of money for charity as well. So as part of that, we invited people to come and join us and to be a part of it. So they might run a half or a full marathon on one day. And then the next day, when we moved location, we'd meet other people. Our goal was to do them all. And Ken got injured early, so he had a very different experience to what I had. And I, he really did have a tough time. He did finish them, but he, he ended up having to walk quite a few of them because he got he got a couple of very challenging uh, injuries. The, the biggest probably challenge I had, I was fortunate I didn't get injured. I did get sick on, on one night, but I got food poisoning on, on the eve of the last day. But 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 the, the biggest challenge I had, I think, was in the early days, six, seven, and eight, you know, we'd spent a year training for this and um, specifically and also logistically putting it together because it was 32 different events. Um, and there was a lot of people that signed up for it. There was there were a lot of people involved in trying to make it a success. And six or seven days in, there was a significant doubt that he would be able to continue. The biggest challenge I had was mentally was, what if it all falls? What, what if he has to put out all the expectation is now on you? So it's it's like double the, the maybe the, the, the responsibility, as it were. And if I'm being honest, I did really feel that on the six, seven, and eight days. But I just said, well, listen, you can only do your best. And, you know, um, that was kind of my, my rationale. Take it one day at a time. I know it's a cliche, but, you know, we I couldn't do day nine and day eight. So just focus on day eight and, and get through that and, and kind of move to the next day. Sometimes we can kind of get ahead of ourselves. And um, so that was one of one of my mantras. And also a big thing I've learned in terms of goal setting. Um, particularly when we're not in the mood or we're low in confidence or we're struggling for the motivation. I, I do a lot of goal-setting workshops in, in the corporate sector, and but this is equally applicable in, 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 in anything, really. And I was doing a session with a group last week on goal-setting. And one of the things we rarely consider, even when we do set goals, which not many of us do, but even the people that do, I encourage people, when you're coming up with a goal, it's very valuable to write down, to capture, why do you want this goal? Because the why, when you're not in the mood, when you're feeling low, when your confidence is not where you want it to be, maybe when you're lacking the motivation, the why is what's going to support you there. It's going to carry you through that difficult time. 
However, I encourage people to, en route to a goal, if it's at any higher level, it's going to challenge you. So we let's embrace that from the beginning. There's, if say it's a, a six-month goal, we even remind ourselves at the beginning, there's times in this journey, I'm going to have tough days, but not to be surprised when they arrive because we know they're going to come. So it's almost to have that mindset. Actually, you know, it's a six-month goal starting in January, the 5th of February it arrives. We consciously say, hang on now, this is one of those days. And this is an extra test. I told myself these days were going to come. How I respond on this day is what's going to determine the success. So just to harness your resolve, because, you know, those difficult moments usually pass, but it's about staying focused, staying in the present, not being surprised when it happens. And maybe at that time, thinking about, why am I doing this goal in the first place? And we had lots of reasons why we were doing the 32 marathons in 32 days. And lots of times on that journey, I reconnected consciously with my reasons for doing, because there were very, there were very powerful reasons for me and for my colleague. And they can really support us at times when we might just need an extra lift. Yeah, I love it, Jerry. One of the things I talk about a lot with my clients is the idea of process over outcome and focusing on the process, not putting too much time and energy on the outcome. You set out, you had a big goal. Your outcome was 32 and 32. How did you, what, what I'm curious on is how did you stay focused on the moment, step over step, one day at a time versus staying focused on 32 days, 32 marathons? Was it literally something like, hey, it's one day at a time, it's one step at a time, or when you're running, it's like, just get to that stop sign, then that landmark. How'd you stay focused in the moment and not get too concerned about, am I going to make 32 and 32? I, mean, I think it's it's just that because a year later I was doing another very ambitious sporting challenge which involved ten days of endurance, and I had I had a, I had a great experience in the thirty two marathon thirty two days. I, I was privileged actually to get faster and faster, and because I had such respect for it, and we were running. And Ken kind of came back from injury. We were running our fastest marathons in the last week. Wow! But a year later I was doing a, an even more demanding endurance event, and and. Um, I, it was a 10-day event, and my quickest day in it was 14 hours and 41 minutes. And that was on day one. I only got slower. But th that can, really can, you, can you walk us through what, what what was that event, just so the listeners can know? Sure. So it, 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 some listeners here will be familiar with Ironman or Iron Distance Triathlons. So my goal was to do 10 of those in 10 Iron Distance Triathlons in 10 consecutive days. And so that's a, a 2.4 miles, sorry, it's kilometers, I think. So um, a 3.8K swim, we actually had to cycle 186 kilometers each day and then a 42.2 kilometer run each evening. And like the magnitude of that, even in the mind, is it's, 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 it's challenging. Um, but a couple of things to share on that, DJ. Um, I realized the days were so long and you had so much time to think think. And because a lot of the time I was on my own, obviously, and, and you just, the mind can kind of really kind of, you know, challenge you in those things. But in the early days, I started to realize, I said, I had no idea if I was going to finish this event or not. And I mean that, like, I just, I trained as hard as I could. I had massive respect for the event. I did all the training over eight, nine months, literally, and had to even do more than I originally thought get to the start line, which is a success in itself. I had no idea if I was going to finish it. But, and even say day two, day three, I found myself just somewhat trying to stay away from, I said, day, if on day two, I said, day three doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. I said, if you don't get through day two, don't even think about day three. It, it's, it's not going to happen. And that really brought me to what's in front of you right now. And I also realized I finished, I, I figured out after the first day or two that roughly, roughly nine, 10 o'clock tonight, the quicker I finish, the more sleep I get. And I said, no matter what happens tonight, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock tonight, it's definitely coming, but you've got to get there. It's not coming back to you. I said, let's just stay in that tight compartment. We'll regroup, we'll sleep, get good food, get nutrition into you, get rest. Get into a cold lake to recover. For, you know, that's one of my strategies every evening as well. But I, I realized there's no point in even thinking about day four or five, six. And I said, also, I said, you're also just passing through numbers. And 
there was three numbers every day, swim, cycle and a run, times 10 is 30. I said, just 30 numbers have to be ticked here. So if I'm on the cycle on day two, I'm in number five. I said, you can't get, to get to 30, you have to go through five and you have to go through six and seven and eight. I said, just let's tick them off one by one. And I said, if you keep doing that, you're guaranteed to reach the finish line in 10 days time. And that's all you can control. So I was very much trying to stay in those very tight, small compartments. You mentioned you had a lot of time on your own, whether it was 32 marathons in 32 days or the 10 Ironman in 10 days, a lot of time on your own doing these endurance feats. I like to talk about, I had John Gordon on the show once. He told me about the difference between talking to yourself and listening to yourself and putting out some of those words and mantras. Another guy, Brian Kane, a mentor of mine says that he, like, something he likes to say in his long distance runs is look good, feel good. I should be in Hollywood. So when he's starting to feel pain, that's kind of his mantra. I'm curious if you are the person that talks to yourself versus listens to yourself, what are the things you're saying what helps you kind of keep going i i realized and, and you know in in many of those events um and in the deck iron distance strategy i remember thinking there was days i felt low there was days i felt exhausted there was days that was there gosh do i really want to keep going but I, then i would say to myself well wait a minute you're here by choice this is an ambition. You signed up for this. How can you feel sorry for yourself? You can go home anytime you like. I said, but there's no way you want to go home, is there? Like, you can go home now, but there's nothing will take you home. You're not going anywhere. So why feel sorry for yourself? And I knew I had that autonomy to leave anytime I wanted. But I said, I don't want to do that. So, you know, kind of stop feeling sorry for yourself. And also a huge thing for me, DJ, if I'm ever feeling low and um, in an event, it's perspective mm -hmm. to put this. Is this really a challenge? It's not really a challenge because so many people are dealt challenges in life. I'm fortunate. I do ambitions and I, I have the freedom to go home anytime I want. Whereas people with challenges in life, they don't have that on, in front of them. Whereas I realize I have. So a massive motivator for me is if I'm ever faced with a challenge, to put into perspective, like how privileged am I? It goes back to health. I always bring things back to health and how privileged I am to, to have such good health and how, how, how fortunate I am to be doing these ambitions. So when you combine all those things and you can connect with those consciously, you know, to have a strategy, this is what I'm going to think about if I get those moments, they can really carry you through some difficult times. Talk to me more about perspective. I think that's one of the biggest components of having a growth mindset is to have just general perspective, but it doesn't get talked about very much. Can you dive deeper on that? Yeah. So perspective for me, you know, I'm 54 years of age. And I've, I've part of my growth mindset is I've really looked at my life over the years and I'm always trying to learn things, different, different perspectives. And I remember when I was in my early twenties, I, I had a, I had a very sore throat. And I had it for, for, for several weeks. And I went to my doctor and he said, listen, he said, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And it got a little bit worse. And I had to wait, whatever it was, four, five, six weeks for the specialist. And in that time, this is my early 20s, my brain went into overdrive about what was wrong with my throat. And I'm sure you can imagine what I was imagining. And the closer it got, the worse I conjured it up. I had this fear of going into this room and maybe being told something that was going to be very, very difficult for me to hear. And I can remember walking into the hospital. I, I still know the hospital. I walked up the first flight. I knocked on the door. There was a waiting room. And I, I was brought in to meet the consultant. And he examined me for like what I think was only about 60, maybe 90 seconds. And he said, oh, he said, that's just. And he mentioned something, thankfully, that was very insignificant. And he gave me a prescription. He said, you'll be fine. If you take this, you'll be fine in a couple of weeks. But I remember driving home that evening thinking, this is unbelievable. I said, it, it gave me a phenomenal reward in life to be very aware of what I have, because I really thought there was something, I was going to get something very different to what I got. And as recently as last week, um, I go for a, a medical every year, and I was there last week. And I'd done with my GP, my general practitioner, doctor. And a couple of weeks before, I'd done the blood tests and all that. So when I was with him last week doing a full medical, he gave me the results one by one. And there was little pauses as he was giving me the results. And I was there anticipating, like, is it going to be bad or is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad or is it going to be good? And thankfully, it was all exactly where I wanted it to be. 
But when I walked out of the surgery literally a week ago, DJ, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, how lucky are you? Because there's people that could walk out of there today and not be as privileged as you. So this is a very conscious awareness. And I try and remind myself every day, Jerry, how fortunate are you to have your health? So that's a, it's a massive stamp every day of perspective. It grounds me every day to be grateful for what I have, not what I don't have. Mm. Any practices or any things that you like to give to clients to help increase their perspective? I do an, an exercise every morning, which which is almost now like brushing my teeth. And I usually run most mornings. I, I usually exercise at kind of 5 a.m. That really it does it for me. But so I usually be coming home maybe around 6 a.m. or whatever. And I, I most days, not always, but most days, just as I stop when I'm very near the house, I will I will stop and I will consciously make myself come up with a certain number of things to be grateful for in that moment. And it's not just my health, but I've come up with over the years, maybe a thousand or two thousand different examples of what I mean. So I might say, well, I'm, I'm grateful for, 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 for my physical body. But then I say, well, I'm grateful for my, my fingers. I can move them like this. I can turn my hands like this, you know, as I'm, I know people are listening to this, but it's amazing because I remember once upon a time getting stuck at something stuck in my eye eight or 10 years ago, I'd, I was really in pain in my one of my eyes for about 24 hours. Again, it was a great reminder when it was gone the next day. I said, oh my gosh, you just won the lottery again and this stuff. So every morning, I consciously try and come up with new things. I might even think of a family member and think of things that I'm so glad they have in their lives. And it, it, it just gives me such a great launch pad for the day, a daily reminder of, of what I have, because I remember seeing a thing on, on on, on the internet one time, DJ, where somebody wrote out the nine times tables, nine times one, nine times two, down as far as nine times seven. And then they start to fill in the answers from the bottom. So nine times seven is 63, nine times six is 54, all the way back up to nine times two is 18. And then the last one, they wrote in nine times one is seven. And straight away, everybody starts to comment on the, you got one wrong, you got one wrong, you got one wrong. But the point they were trying to highlight was, what about all the ones that are right? Why do we straight away gravitate towards the one that's wrong? And that for me is, yes, I might have a challenge, like nine times one is seven. That could represent something that's not as it might be, whether it's in the middle of this sporting event or whether it's in my business or whether it's in, in my life generally. But how difficult would life be with whatever nine times two is 18 represents something that is good? How difficult would the nine times seven be if you didn't have the other things? And that could be, you know, you think of a customer that you lost in that day, but what about the 25 customers that you do have? And it's to focus on what we do have rather than what we don't have. And yes, we might want to fix nine times one is seven, whatever that might represent. But these are all are usually mental tests. And so just that grounding in the moment to recognize, well, how tough would it be if I didn't have all these other things going right? And then now let's get very focused on fixing that, but it starts from a really good place. Yeah. Gratitude changes attitude. And I feel that whenever you come up with things you're grateful for, it can be the smallest things, Jerry. Like I've gone through some practices, some journaling, and it it, it could be, you know, what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight. I'm just grateful for this meal. I see the attitude start to change and more happiness starts to just kind of flow through your entire body because you find yourself being grateful for the smallest, smallest details in life. I think when you first start journaling about these things or thinking about these things, you're grateful about the really big things. You know, your parents, your car, your whatever, all this stuff, your house. But then you start getting to that nitty gritty of what you're grateful for. And it can be the smallest things that end up putting a smile on your face. Well, as you say that, what comes to mind for me a couple of weeks ago, when I was getting the bloods done with my GP a couple of weeks before the main appointment, I always go for the 8 a.m. Uh, so I book it months in advance. I like to be first in the surgery, the, the general practice surgery, so I can kind of get in and get out and get to my day's work. And so the bloods is the same. So I'm there a couple of weeks before, but I have to fast for the bloods because part of it is, 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 is a particular test that I need to fast for. So I'd exercised that morning at 5 a.m. I was finished at 6. I, I was had a hot shower. I did a little bit of work before I drove to, the, to, to get the bloods done. But by the time I was there, I was starving and I knew I couldn't eat. But I remember it's a great reminder to be so grateful for food because we can take it for granted. 
You know, even last week, the oil went in our house. No hot water for the shower. I was reminded of something I take for granted every day. So I've learned these things can be, you know, I might look at it and say, that's really bad. I ran out of oil, the inconvenience of it. But I got a, another great reminder of what I'm privileged to have every other day of the year, hot water in the shower. And those small things, it's only when they're taken away, we suddenly realize that very often small things are actually truly valuable things. Mm. I've heard you talk numerous times about the four keys to success. Can we go into those? Four keys to success. Yeah. So four keys to success. I often explain this through a a football game. So, and I, forgive me, but I, 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 I watch American football, but I don't understand it. I watch baseball, <laughs> but I don't really understand it. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about soccer because I, Perfect. I, I do understand that. A it's little very bit. timely so, with the World Cup. Very timely. Absolutely. And the USA <laughs> are going well so far, which is, which is even better. So um, I'm a defender and I'm representing my team and I'm a defender. And in the first minute, they put they put the best player on me. Okay, the, the the striker, the hot striker is on me, and in the first minute he scores a goal, and my head drops. Okay, oh my head starts going into overdrive. Oh, he's better than me. Why was I picked for this game? We're not going to win the game. Now you asked me to talk about the four keys to success. So clearly this is not going the way we wanted to. So at that moment in time, and at any moment in time. What I discovered is I'm now telling myself a story. So the first key, in the, 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 the S in the four keys to success stands for story, that we've got to begin to change the story. Because if I keep saying that, I'm likely to keep getting that because that's kind of what I'm, what I'm, I'm feeding into my psychology. He's better than me, so I may not perform because I, maybe I have this inferiority complex. Um, so I need to change the story. And to, we then combine the second key with the first key is I need to change my attitude. So the second key is, well, what's my attitude going to be around the fact that he has scored? And um, so I bring a better attitude. He's not going to do it again. Now I'm harnessing a different attitude. Okay. So I'm moving um, from the, the first key, which is a story. I've got to change the story because if I don't change the story, I'm going to keep getting what I'm getting. Then I move to the attitude. This is this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to I'm going to be even tighter. I'm going to mark them tighter. So now I'm moving to the third stage, which is a second A, which is for action. But here's the thing about action: we need to define what we mean, what standard of actions, because it's the four keys to success. If I keep taking the same actions as I took before, so if I you know, if I'm marking him, I'm going to say I'm going to keep marking him, but I mark him to the same standard. I'm going to get what I got already, and I don't want that. I want to be successful. So I got to take new actions or better actions than I did before. And, it's, you know, you could liken that to anything, to, 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 you know, something that happens in business. You know, we lose a big contract. Okay, well, what's the story going to be around that? What attitude am I going to bring? You know, the customer service we were bringing there is the reason we lost it. We got to improve. We got to bring better customer service here. And if we do those things, if we follow it up with those actions, it can lead to the fourth key, which is better results. And, you know, we could use that in, in, in school for exams. You know, it can be, it can be really replicated in any area of life when you think about it. So story, what story am I telling myself? I got to change the story if I'm not getting what I want. That starts with moving into, I'm going to harness an even better attitude around this or a stronger attitude. Moving into, I got to take new actions or better actions than I've taken before, improve the actions I've taken. And if I do that, it's likely to lead to better results. I love it. I want to dive in a little bit deeper. And the first one it, to me is just resonates so much. I speak a lot about this, Jerry, about people. Everybody has a story in their head. They have their own stories that were taught to them by either their parents, um, colleagues, uh, friends, whatever. We're all, we all have our own limiting stories and beliefs in our head. Some of the things that as coaches, trainers, and anybody out there is trying to help other people, the, sometimes the first thing that you have to do is try to break those barriers of what's the story in your head. So can we dive a little bit deeper into how do you go about changing the story in somebody's head? What are your thoughts? Uh, maybe just give me a specific, let's talk about a specific example and see if we can come up with something. Yeah. So let's go into your field of, of, uh, endurance training. So maybe the story in their head is they're not, they're not cut out for that. They're not fit enough. They can't, they're not good enough to do something like that. Let's talk about what, you know, what are, how do you overcome somebody that has the self doubt that they're not at that ability level? 
Actually, well, what you've prompted, you've prompted an interesting line of thought for me, and that is, so I, I, I'm a professional speaker, and I'm very fortunate to work with some amazing companies and some huge companies, and I do a lot of public speaking at conferences and that kind of thing in the corporate sector around performance and in different areas of, of, of human performance kind of leading into business because companies don't exist. They're human beings. And But if I go back 17 years ago, um, I was terrified of public speaking. I was not a professional speaker 17 years ago. I had a very different business in a very different industry. And I remember as part of that, I had to do a presentation in my line of work for a client. And I I was terrified. I was, the words I use, I use two words very respectfully, pathologically fearful of public speaking. And, but the, the first thing I think is it, I had the courage to take it on anyway. So even though every part of me didn't want to do it, I said, no, I said, you've got to do right by your client here. You know you need to do this. You know you got to stand up there and you got to do it because of a value of really taking care of my clients. And I said, you've got to live your value here, even though you want to do it, even though you're terrified, you know you're going to do it anyway. So it's about maybe having either the courage to, to do it anyway or the ambition because somebody... It, it mightn't take courage. It could be just, well, do I have the ambition to do it? So for me, I had to have the courage to take that step. And my first ever talk uh, was to an audience of four people. But I was so afraid, I had to go to a hypnotist a few days before to help me with that. But I, I guess to, to, to go back to your question, it starts with, you know, I'm very, I'm a very experienced person presenter now. I've done it over 2,000 times since. So I've done a lot of speaking in the last decade and more. Um, but that was my starting point. But it's almost, even though it felt like very deep water, because I felt like I was diving in the deep end. As I look back now, and it probably was the deep end for me at the time in terms of my mindset. But, but you know, what I encourage people, if people come to me now with a fear of public speaking, and maybe this is endurance sports, we can kind of bring it in there in terms of fitness. Because I, yes, I've been fortunate to run 32 marathons in 32 days, but I started at 5K and then I got to 6K. And I didn't have an ambition back then to do 32 marathons in 32 days. That came years and years and years later. But it's maybe about just setting the bar a little bit higher and a little bit higher because I did have an interest in sport. I did have an interest in looking after my body in terms of my fitness. And so I just kept raising the bar a little bit. And that's how I got to the 30 Americans. But somebody came to me um, about a year and a half ago, terrified of public speaking. And they had to do a, a talk in a particular college environment to an audience. And I said, well, let's meet online next week. And I said, you know, would you be happy to deliver the presentation to me? So they did. One audience, they read it, and I gave them positive feedback. I said, who could we meet next week that might challenge you a little bit more? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, could we bring in one or two more people and maybe we, you could present it to three people? So a week later, we met his brother and his mom. And what I was doing was the, the following week, it was myself, his brother, his mother, and his brother's girlfriend and her sister who he didn't even know. What I was doing was I was just encouraging him to go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, and a little bit deeper. And then the final time we, we expanded the audience even more. So I didn't throw him in the deep end. I kind of eased him into the pool. And, and it's almost like it's another way of getting there because sometimes if we throw people in too deep, they can become overwhelmed. So for me, I've learned, like even in terms of building a business, you know, I'm very fortunate where my business is now, but like I, it's taken me kind of 11, 12 years to kind of get there. But it's just setting those incremental higher bars as we go along the way. And maybe either having the courage to go about it or the ambition to go about it. And if we do that, I think it's amazing how far we can end up going. But it's 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 got to feel a little bit uncomfortable uh, because uncomfortable is a spectrum. You know, if it doesn't feel uncomfortable, well, then chances are we're staying at the same level we're at. So I've learned to embrace discomfort because that's where I've discovered the magic is in life and the growth is in anything is in the discomfort rather than the comfort. Right. 
a part of your framework. So, so store, uh, story, attitude, action, results. I think one of the things that I like most about it is a lot of it is actually within your control. Something I like to talk about with my clients is the difference between defining what's inside of your control and outside of your control. And what's inside of your control is what I like to call your ape. It's your, your A is your attitude. Your P is your presence. And then your, your E is your effort or your energy that you bring to the table. Those are the things that are inside of your control. And when I look at your framework, story, attitude, action, results, those are all things that you can do. It's your story. You can shape it. You can make it your own. Um, you can play offense instead of defense. Your attitude is how you choose to show up every single day. And the actions are the disciplines that are going to come afterwards. So it's all kind of within your control. There's no really blaming others. There's a lot of ownership in your in your framework and also in mine. I think there's a lot of um, insightfulness when it comes to that. Yeah, there's a great quote that comes to mind from Gary Player, the South African golfer. And he said, simply by starting something, you're often miles ahead of everybody else. And for me, we, we, I'm sure we've all heard the expression control the controllable. And very often when we're in the difficult moment, we start to leap our thinking in terms of thinking about things that are actually not in our control at all, like the economy, like we're not in control of the economy. But if to spend time thinking about something outside of our control, while we're spending that time doing that, we're not spending time doing things that we are in control of. So that then can help it become, unfortunately, a self-fulfilling philosophy. And it's not because we didn't have the ability to, to, to do and to succeed. It's just where we spend our thinking and our time. So it's to get back to, well, what am I in control of? And to lock in, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to think about things out of my control. I'm going to focus my time entirely on things that are inside of my control. And like... It's very often, it's not that we don't have the ability to, to again, to get there. It's just ultimately where we spend our time. So it's maybe to block out or even write down, what are all the things that I'm not in control of? What are all the things I am in control of? What are the things I would then be doing with those in that environment? And then critically to to get uncomfortable and to do them. And it's, you know, I've learned that for me, success is doing simple things but it's the standard that we bring them to. And so success is doing simple things to an outstanding level. And there's nobody reinventing the wheel. There's nothing, there's no, you know, anybody that when you hear people speaking about success, they usually go back to the same things. We just might use different words. And so it's not as if there's a magic new formula for things, but it's about doing, doing the things within your control and doing them to the very highest standard that you can. And usually that's going to get us to where we want to get to. I love that. Simple things to an outstanding standard. Yeah. Talk a little and it's more even, about that. Yeah, it's even, I was doing a thing last week with a group of, of people and I spoke about um, a skill, a superpower. And I believe the superpower is the power to stay focused. Because very often, it's not that we don't have the ability to succeed, it's that we just lose focus. And to bring it to life, DJ, I get five people in a circle and I have two color markers. And I say, here's the goal here. We're going to pass around the red marker and the blue marker. I said, I want you to pass around in a circle. I said, have you any questions? They said, no. And I say, okay, red marker, blue marker. Are you ready? Off we go. And then I hand in the red marker and I hand in the blue marker. And they start to pass them around. And then I will introduce new objects like... um, a glass case and maybe a set of car keys and a bottle of water. And when the red marker comes around, I'll take it out and I put in a mobile phone. When the blue marker comes around, I put in a calculator and and they'll continue to pass them around. I'll then leave the group and then I let them do that for a couple of minutes. And then I'll say, stop. And I'll say, what are you doing? And they'll say, what you told us to. And I say, okay, well, tell me specifically. And they say, well, we're passing things. And I said, okay, what are you passing? And a guy will say, well, glass case. And what are you passing? The next person, a bottle of water, a phone, etc. And I say, why? And they say, because you told us to. I say, actually, no, I didn't. I was very specific about what I asked you to pass. What did I ask you to pass? And then you'll see the penny dropping and somebody will say, oh, the markers. And I say, yeah, what color? Red and blue. Who's got them? And they look at each other and they can't see them because they're actually hidden in my pocket. 
But this shows you how easy it is to lose focus because the red marker, as an example, represents that marathon PB that you want to do. And the blue marker represents the training, the performance goals that are going to bring it to life. I have no idea what the bottle of water represents or the wallet, but it's nothing to do with the goal. And it's the, but the, the, that's why focus, it's a superpower, it's a skill to help people with this. I encourage them, don't, if you have evidence that you aren't a focused person, build in systems to keep you focused. Simple example. The first week of every month, you reconnect with the goal. You reconnect with why. And you ask yourself, what have I done in the last month that shows evidence that I'm truly respecting this goal? So you can build in these accountability systems to keep you focused. Yeah, I love that. Something that's been on my mind recently is the idea of people that, you know, maybe they're not as focused as they want to be. I think people want to do a lot of things a little amount of time where I want to reverse that. I want you to do a little a lot. So maybe it's every day, five minutes journaling rather than trying to spend a Sunday journaling for the whole week. I think there's a lot of power in doing a lot of things, a little amount of time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I, I one thing that, that sometimes with goal setting, I remember somebody came to me and there's a trap. I believe that we, that we set that we often fall into most of us, me included for years, fall into when we're setting goals. And let me share to an example of a story. So somebody came to me during the, the second year of COVID and they were feeling a little bit down and, and they told me this COVID thing is just getting to me. Mm. And I said, okay. I said, uh, they wanted my help. And I said, you know, I met you four or five months ago. I said, and you were, you were really positive and, and yet we were in that time then as well. Is there anything you were doing then that, that was helping you that, that maybe you're not doing now? And they thought about it for a moment and said, yes, actually, there is. And I said, what was that? And they said, well, I was doing, you know, I was walking a few times a week. I said, okay. I said, what were the benefits of that? And they shared the benefits. And I said, okay. I said, well, is that something that you think might help you here? Yes. So what do you think you'll do next week? And then they made what I believe be the classic trap. Their answer was, I'm going to do it every day next week. Mm. And for me, this is a trap that I believe sometimes we fall into. What it's it's got to be. I said, what happens if you do it five days next week and you don't do it seven? They say, yeah, actually, I think I see where you go with this. And what I encourage them to do was, you know, taking what you said there. It's about doing maybe just let's look at once. And you know, they hadn't shown the ability to be able to do seven. Plus, they were probably going to risk injury. I said to them, why don't we set a goal of once? I said, if you. If you achieve that, we celebrate it, which feeds into a very positive way of thinking, very positive attitude about yourself. I can achieve my goals. I said, if you do two, you're overachieving. We'll, we'll, it's even more, but we set the goal is once. And let's set that as the goal for the next three, four, five, six weeks. And what this is, a, by the way, for, it could be anything. We're just using the, the walking as an exercise. This, I believe, is a much better way of sustaining good behavior. As you said, just doing small things, but on a consistent basis. And let's say we check back in in six weeks' time. We've now done it. We've achieved 100% of that goal. Now we we it's almost like we have the ability to do that almost without thinking. It's like brushing our teeth. Then we set the bar, right? Now I'm going to go to twice. We do that for five or six weeks. Then we set the bar again. And that can lead to much more sustainable long-term positive change in our lives. Amen. Consistency over intensity. I heard a quote once that said, in the short term, you're only as good as your intensity. In the long term, you're only as good as your consistency. And I think a lot of people when making new goals, it's not about the short term. They want to make it long term. So consistency has got to be key. Um, Jerry, as we kind of close down here, I know you're a big fan of Jim Rohn. So am I. I'm curious, what's one of your favorite quotes or lessons that you've learned from him that we can kind of close down this conversation with? There's one, I was asked that question actually last week by somebody and a Jim Rohn quote came to mind. And it, it's always my first thought. And there's so many of Jim Rohn's quotes, that I, I'm a massive fan. Um, he said, and I'm sure you remember this one. And, and as I reflect, you know, I, when I went from a, a fixed mindset to a growth mindset and maybe having that, you know, willingness, I'm always trying to learn, I'm always reading books or asking questions or watching videos to, to learn or he said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And that for me was 
Like I only heard that quote maybe 10 years ago. I said, oh my gosh, that's the change that you made. You start to invest in yourself. And that can encompass so many different things, of course, but it's about looking at ourselves first and foremost. And what can I do? What's my mindset like? What's my self-development like? What's my self-awareness like? You know, what am I like to be around? You know, how can I improve? How can I be the solution here? There's so many, and, you know, even working on my own confidence. Um, you know, one of the biggest gifts I ever got in my life was doing that first ever public speaking talk. It was the biggest self-development I think I've ever done in my life because I was terrified doing it. But by having that courage to do it and maybe getting the confidence to do it, it was life-changing for me. And it really changed my whole way of thinking. I said, because I thought that was impossible to do a public speech. And I walked out of that room thinking, oh my gosh, if you can achieve that, you can achieve anything. And my whole thinking changed the result. But but that definitely is the quote that I would, if I only could quote one quote, that would be my favorite. Work yeah. hard on yourself than you do on your job. There are so many. I like that quote. One of the things that comes to mind when I read that quote, Jerry, is I'm thinking that it kind of separates yourself, your identity a little bit, right? I think a lot of people, they become their work. And a lot of the common questions that people get at a social setting is, well, what do you do? And that's obviously referring to what do you do for work? But in reality, we're we're separate from our work, right? We're We're our own person too. And if you kind of get inundated with becoming one with your job or your work or your profession, whatever it is, uh, you can kind of fall into some traps that you don't want to fall into. And I think Jim Rome, what he's saying is that there's kind of a separation between who you are inside of work and who you are outside of work. If you don't kind of work on who you are outside of the office, it's definitely not going to prove inside the office. But then at the end of your life, you're kind of looking around going, I guess I'm just X, Y, Z and nothing more. Yeah, it, it, I, I think, you know, and maybe it's a cliche, but the greatest investment you can make, you know, is in yourself. And just how you can be just become such a nicer person, the impact you can have in your community, in your family, in your work. Um, but I think also having, you know, having that open-mindedness to look within kind of stuff, is there room for improvement in me? Because very often we have opinions about other people, but what are they seeing in us? You know, and, and what's the expression, the two sides or whatever. But yeah, I, lo I love, I'm, I'm a, as you are a huge fan, like I would listen to him every week. I, I just, if I could only listen to one speaker, Jim Rohn is the person I would go to. And uh, um, I just I just love his, his content. It's so valuable and so simple, yet so there's such depth in, in everything that he shares. Absolutely. Awesome. Jerry, as we close down here, where can I send my listeners if they want to read one of your books, listen to a keynote and kind of uh, follow your journey? Uh, I'm LinkedIn is, is I, I, I hang out a good bit on LinkedIn and also jerryduffyacademy.com. Awesome. Jerry, thanks for taking the time. It's a lot of fun. Great. Thanks, DJ.